It's a beautiful day that we have to come together this morning, the first Sunday of the year 2011, the first opportunity vouchsafed to us in this new year to direct our attention in loyal and loving devotion and worship to the great God of heaven. He has so richly blessed us today with a measure of health that we enjoy. Those on our sick list whom we continue to remember, many of them in hospitals and otherwise are unable to be here, but you and I have been marvelously blessed. We are thankful for the visitors who've come our way today, thankful for the regular membership alike. We're just happy that we each are able to gather to worship God in spirit and in truth, to quote John 4, verse 24. As we consider the lesson that you may have noted the title in the bulletin, as well as the one on the wall to my left, we will give our attention this morning to a person who's listed in the Old Testament, an individual who will be able to set before us some interesting lessons, applications that will permit us to be stronger and more able and capable in our spiritual growth in the year 2011. In so doing, let's in fact introduce that lesson in the following way, before we even come to a focus on that Old Testament character. Isn't it interesting and ever so amazing how that with God's orchestration of the natural world, you and I are blessed every 12 months with the beginning of a new year. For many individuals, it's a time to reflect on the previous year and to make some new decisions or at least some approaches to make life better in the coming year. There are many that you and I know who will make resolutions of one form or another. It will be their attempt, you see, to improve themselves over what has been the case in days past. May I submit to you that the word introspection identifies that particular thought rather well, and I've even attempted to define it. Here, in fact, is the definition for, for that particular word. It is a reflective looking inward. That is to say, it is an examination of one's own thoughts and feelings. You and I, in the ability to self-examine ourselves, are able to know exactly the kind of individual we are, we can perhaps scope out our weaknesses. We can also take note of what our strengths may be. And thus in this year, we can address those which are the weaknesses and hopefully improve upon them so that we shall be even more powerful in our work for the kingdom of, of the Lord this year. In fact, on this particular morning, as we in fact consider a lesson along that line, might I ask you to notice some of the questions at the bottom. Those answers may well be different for every person in this audience. What may be the weaknesses of your life may be completely different than the weaknesses of someone else. All of us, however, realize that God's Word addresses all those weaknesses, whatever they may be, and gives us the solution, the answer to approaching an improvement. Might, might I invite you this morning to look with me into the life of a person named Jehoshaphat and in fact give some thought to not only the decisions that she made, but also how they can form a pattern for you and me to the improvement of our own abilities in the spiritual realm in the year 2011. To do that, let's first retrace the historical setting. Who was this person? When did she live? And in what place did she serve? And upon that identification, we'll note a very interesting episode in her life. Let's begin in the following way. The history I've outlined as follows. We remember that the Old Testament describes many individuals as kings who did not serve God appropriately. 
In fact, they introduced any number of idolatrous activities. They encouraged the people to follow the same. And what's more, they often engaged in those things that directly put to death the prophets or other individuals who were trying to serve God. One individual that certainly would head that list is a man named Ahab. We will remember his wife Jezebel. They as a team wrought much evil and much wickedness in the ancient nation of Israel. I've actually made a quotation for you. Ahab sold himself to work wickedness. A direct quotation of 1 Kings 21. He in fact gave himself over to the accomplishment of that which was evil. That which was wicked. And God took notice. In fact, in the life of Jehu, who lived a few years later, God commissioned Jehu to do away with all that had been the efforts of Ahab and to eliminate him. Jehu took that command very seriously. He set about to exterminate all of the seed of Ahab. You'll notice in particular that the expectation for all of that emanates in the following way. Jehu slew Jehoram, who at that time was one of the kings, the king of Israel. In the same battle, he also put to death Ahaziah, the king of Judah. You'll notice this time both of the kingdoms of the ancient nation of Israel thus had lost their king in one battle. Jehu had been responsible. If you'll notice what occurs next, though things begin to take a remarkable turn. I've tried to highlight that in the following way. One would have thought that taking the throne after Ahaziah would have been one of his sons, perhaps his oldest. However, that did not take place because here's what came about. There was a wicked woman named Athaliah. She, in fact, as the mother of Ahaziah, recognized that as Ahaziah, her son, was now slain, she wanted to take the throne and she set about to murder all of the seed royal. She said about to put every one of Ahaziah's sons to death so that she could usurp the queenship and reign over the ancient nation of Israel. However, we might now ask, did she succeed in this? Was she able to kill all of Ahaziah's sons and then to usurp the queenship herself? I have asked and pointed that out in the following way. She partially succeeded. She did reign for six years as the queen of the ancient nation of Judah. Wicked she was, pursuing that which was against the law of God, absolutely. She indeed did reign for a time. But what about that first question? Did she put to death all of Ahaziah's sons, all of the seed royal? She tried. The scriptures indicate she killed all of his sons but one. Let's revisit what happened in terms of of ending this scene. Ahaziah, you see, had several children, several sons. No doubt again, the oldest or at least one of the oldest might have been expected to usurp the position as the next king. However, as one by one Athaliah killed all of them, there was a lady, there was a woman named Jehoshaphat who intervened. And she intervened, in fact, in the following way. First, let's identify her. She was the wife of the high priest Jehoiada. And oddly enough, you'll notice that she was the half-sister of Ahaziah. So in other words, she was well acquainted with all the affairs of both the temple and the palace. And she was in a position to understand fully what was going on. 
Athaliah was committing murder, putting to death all of these sons who might rightly take the position of reigning. She intervened with regard to the youngest one. And here's what she did. You'll notice near the top of that slide that she, along with his nurse, preserved the life of Joash, which again was Ahaziah's youngest son. She, in fact, proceeded to hide him in the temple for six years. He was just an infant at the time that she stole him. But she preserved and protected his life, saving him from murder. And in the concourse of that six-year period, Athaliah was unaware that any of the sons had been preserved. She thought she had slain them all, and she thought that she was the unquestioned queen of Judah. She is about to find out something different. Because you'll notice as the years pass by, something now might be interestingly observed. Ahaziah, you see, was of the seed of David. And thus, if this wicked woman Athaliah had been successful in eliminating all of his sons, what would that have meant for the coming of the Christ child into the world? What would that have meant for the preservation of the seed of David? Let us proceed to notice again what Jehoshaphat did. Stealing that infant baby... Where others thought that he'd been put to death, she protected him in the temple. For six years, he was reared along with his nurse, has taken care of him. And the time came six years later that we noticed the following events took place. Jehoiada, the high priest, knew that he was still alive. And the time came when he was old enough to take the kingship at the tender age of seven. And thus, on that occasion and that day... Jehoiada secretly gathered the military together and pronounced, This is what we shall do. We will anoint Joash as the rightful next king. We will, in fact, remove Athaliah as this wicked woman who has no business ruling anyway. As the secret events took place, there was a great rejoicing amongst the people of Judah. The people gathered. There was clapping. There was celebration. There was jubilation in place. And Athaliah heard it. She ran out into the temple complex to find out what was taking place. And there she spied Joash standing beside the pillar with a coronated crown upon his head. She then knew what had happened and she recognized him as one of the sons of Ahaziah. Here was the next king. At that moment she rent her clothes in anguish and she cried, Treason! Treason! Jehoiada commanded, Put her to death and anoint Joash as the next king. You'll notice that Jehoshaphat's preservation of that little boy Joash was a remarkable turning point in the ancient nation of Judah. And didn't it take a great deal of courage on her part? For after all, if Athaliah had found out what she did, if Athaliah had discovered there was Joash still alive and that Jehoshaphat had been responsible, no doubt Jehoshaphat would have been slain. But yet she took that risk. And she acted in such great interest in the matters of God and with great courage to not only preserve his life, but to put the rightful heir of the man David back on the throne. In light of all of that, these things come to us. Might I suggest there's some things from this episode that can be very encouraging to all of us as we think about the year 2011 and as we think about it in an introspective way what the year 2010 has been. For the audience that is before me this morning, and for, of course, 
my, me, myself. It is to be noted that some interesting things about spiritual growth perhaps are worthy to be said. In order to be a better person in the service of God this year than what was the case in the year past, what are some things that might be asserted? First thing that seems to me to be the case is likely this. Likely all of those in this room have some idea of some basic things that can be done to improve. We each, even if we cannot quote all of the Bible, we know the basic nature of, in many instances, what God demands. We have a basic feeling, a basic knowledge, based on what we do know about the Bible, about the things that we ought to do. The greatest need of our life is the courage to do it. It is that rightful determination and disposition to proceed to do what we know that we need to do. Might I suggest that's where we will revisit the life of Jehoshaba and see if we cannot learn some things from what she did. First of all, here's the opening lesson. Jehoshaba had a rather notable trust in the Word of God. Picture again the circumstance in which she was. She was the wife of the high priest, but she was in a position to where she observed one by one the children of Ahaziah were being slaughtered and slain. And this wicked woman, Athaliah, was reigning on the throne. She was not the rightful queen. She was not the one descended from the line of David. She, in fact, was descended from Jezebel. What did, Ath- what rather did Jehoshua do? She trusted in the reality of the Word of God. In passages like 1 Kings 9 verse 5, God specifically told Solomon, There shall not fail thee a man to reign and rule over Judah. Jehoshaphat understood this. She knew Athaliah had no business on the throne. And she knew that if she sat by and did nothing, that one by one all the children would be slaughtered and slain, and there would be no opportunity for that promise of God to be continued. Thus, in her trust for the, for the, for the Word of God, and her appreciation of the promise that God had made, she believed it. What does that say about you and about me today? We have been given this tremendous gift, this marvelous Word of God. Do we believe it? When God says, Thou shalt not do certain certain things, do we believe that? Or do we make excuses? When God said, You are to do this, do we follow that? Or do we just make excuses, let somebody else do that? Jehoshaphat trusted that what this said was the way it was. In Proverbs 3, beginning in verse 5, the ancient writer said, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct thy paths. Do you and I put all of our trust in Him, or do we reserve part of it for ourselves? I'll trust in what I think. I'll trust in what I prefer. I'll trust in the way I've always seen it done. Friend, that's not good enough. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Jehoshaphat did. And her trust was sufficiently deep and sufficiently committed that she was willing to risk even her life in the pursuance of that which she knew to be right. You'll notice furthermore, we can also notice in Psalm 37, 5, Commit thy way unto the Lord, and trust also in Him, and He shall bring it to pass. If you and I want spiritual growth, and if that is our earnest and most ardent desire, 
If we will put our trust in Him and follow that which He has said, God's promised He'll bring it about. It will be a reality. But in addition to trusting in Him, look at a second lesson. Jehoshaphat trusted in the words of the Lord. She understood the promise that God had made to the seed of David, but that wasn't as far as she went. That knowledge was one thing. The courage and the conviction to act upon it was something else. She took the liberty thus to take that little boy, that infant, and protect him in the temple for six long years. You might notice now that the temple was considered a very different place in the palace. Athaliah could have had her soldiers search the palace anytime she wanted. In fact, they could have searched any common house anytime they wanted. But when Solomon had the temple built, there were a number of rooms and side bed chambers. And it was in those chambers which were not searchable by, of course, administrative officials. That's where Joash was hidden. And for six years he grew, he matured, he was taught and instructed, and he was guided. And when that time came, we now understood he became the next king. But along the way, may we not forget that Jehoshaphat took some action. She did something. Had she just sat by and done nothing, like it seems all the others were interested in doing, then Joash would have been slaughtered just like all the others. And there would have been no rightful king placed back on the throne. No king that would have been the descendant of David. At this point, as you think about her taking of action, I have highlighted in the following way what that, of course, means for you and for me. What about you and me? Perhaps you and I are well aware of some changes that rightfully should be made. Some ways to make our life a more powerful and godly influence than it has been in the year past. The simple lesson from Jehoshaphat is this. Do something about it. If we sit by and let 2011 roll away just like 2010 was, then it stands to reason we'll be the same person we were then. We need to do something. Take action. Put into practice that which we know from the Word of God needs to be done. May we not be reminded from 2 Peter 1, beginning in verse 5, as Peter listed some thoughts and some challenges concerning spiritual growth, he said, And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, ye shall never fall. Give some thought with me for just a moment to a few of the items of that list. You'll notice faith was mentioned, virtue was mentioned, knowledge was mentioned, temperance was mentioned, as well as godliness, brotherly kindness, charity. Are you a person that you realize is in need of more patience? Do you know that you, in fact, could be well-suited and a better servant in the kingdom of God, a better person to interact with those about you if you had more patience? then with determination and dedication set about that this year. Do you know that you need more self-control? 
Do you fly off the handle on occasion and say or do things that you later regret? That word temperance in that list means self-control. Do you know that that could be an improvement? Then may you work at it with some ardency in prayer. You'll notice then the simple means of taking action applies in many ways, doesn't it? What about the matter of Bible knowledge? Would you like to know more about the Word of God? And are you convinced that that could be a thoroughfare toward your life, being a greater blessing to yourself and others? Then this year, set about that course. Perhaps determine from this day onward in this year to set aside some determined times each day to read the Scriptures. Make it a point to be present at those Bible study periods on Wednesday night and Sunday morning. You'll notice in that way, you would be taking a positive step in parallel to what Jehoshaphat did. What about other matters in that list? Do you know that more consideration for your brothers and sisters in Christ would be in order, a deeper consideration of unity and love? Then proceed to do something about that. As you give thought to the mere lesson of taking action, you'll notice Jehoshaphat did something. You and I should do something too. We should proceed, in fact, to analyze, examine ourselves, whether we be in the faith, 2 Corinthians 13, 5, and proceed to take steps toward the remedy to that, using the Word of God as a pattern. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God, Romans 10, 17. The solution will invariably begin here. As we thus seek to learn it, to understand it, and to apply it, it will be a meaningful episode in our lives. Have you reflected lately upon that parable of the sower of the seed in Matthew 13? On that occasion, four kinds of soil are discussed, each one representative of a kind of heart and its degree of reception toward the Word of God. Let's revisit briefly. The wayside soil is that one who hears the Word of God, Jesus said, but does not understand it. And Satan comes and snatches it away before it brings forth anything just like grass seed sown on concrete. The birds will come by and eat it up, but it won't grow any grass. Is your heart like that? Have you heard the Word of God, but you haven't given any devotion to trying to understand it? You haven't invested anything to comprehend and apply it to life? Rest assured, Satan will oppose it. He'll snatch it away as soon as he can. What about the next soil, the stony ground? Jesus also discussed some of that seed went into stony ground. Ground that had rocks and clods. It wasn't soft, worked ground that was fertile and ready to grow something. Well, we well remember that the plant did come forth quickly and initially, but when the hot summer sun beat down upon it, it scorched it and it withered. Jesus in His explanation said that represents the kind of person who hears the Word of God and with joy receives it. But the person doesn't have any root in himself. And so when tribulations and persecutions and distresses come, that person becomes offended. He gives up his loyalty to the Lord because it's too hard. What does that say about you and me? Have we grown to the point we have deep-seated roots so that even when the difficulties in life arise, we can withstand it? Jesus said, if not, we're not going to bring forth any fruit. And we won't be pleasing to God in that way. The third soil was the thorny ground. 
We know that some seed also fell there, and as the good plant grew, the thorns grew with it. And Jesus went on to quickly say, the thorns choked out the Word. That person's life Jesus described like this. It was one who in fact heard the Word and proceeded in some degree to approach it. But the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choked out the Word. The person soon gave his attention to other things in life, be it wealth, popularity, fame, money, you name it. Those things choked out the Word. And then finally there was the good ground. That ground, you remember, that was fertile. It was prepared. Jesus said that person is one who heard the Word and put it into practice and had deep roots in himself so that he was able to bring forth much, some in hundredfold, some thirtyfold, some sixtyfold. Where does that put you and me in that listing? Are you like the wayside soil? Are you like the stony ground? Are you like the thorny soil? Or are you like the good ground that's fertile, ready always to hear this and to put it into practice? You'll notice that that one, again, did something. Looking back to Jehoshaba, you'll notice that as she took that action to bring about the saving of Joash, you and I need to take action as well. Is attendance a problem in your life? Do you, have you found it easy in days gone by to just excuse yourself from Sunday morning Bible study, Sunday night worship, Wednesday evening Bible study, when all the while you knew you could be there, and all the while you knew God expected you there? In this year, make some changes. God won't make you come. No person at Pippin will make you come. But rest, rest assured that on Judgment Day, you'll give answer for not being here. Make some changes. You see, as we each self-examine, as we each give consideration to what we can do, God's Word does give us an approach to help and an approach to remedy it. That does bring us to a third lesson. One of the things we did not emphasize that much as we related the history of Jehoshaphat a moment ago was the impact that her decision had upon others. Note this. When the time came that all those sons of Ahaziah were being slain, who was it that took the liberty of taking action? It wasn't Jehoiada the high priest. Oddly enough, you might have thought he would be. Apparently, had it been left up to him, he would have sat by and all the sons of Ahaziah would have been slain. It was Jehoshaphat who took the lead, taking the action, protecting that one, and ultimately allowing the kingship to rest again where it should. A little bit later, it was Jehoiada, though, who was the one who gave instructions for putting him back on the throne. It was Jehoiada who gave instructions to put Athaliah to death. It was Jehoiada who in fact rightfully and properly made all the preparations. It would appear that Jehoshaphat's courage encouraged Jehoiada. And not only him but all the people as well. Because when they secretly learned that Joash was still alive, they rejoiced and they celebrated, happy to hear that this rightful one was ready again to be king. You see, it may well be true that those positive steps that you and I take in this year may have a great influence for good on somebody else. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven, Matthew 5, 16. 
It could be that those positive steps that you and I take to remedy the shortcomings in life may end up turning around someone else's life by our example. They may find that they too can give up doing those things that have hindered and hampered them. It happened in, Je in Jehoshaphat's life. Can it not happen in ours? When we show forth to others the confidence and the faith that we have, the assurance in the things of God and the direction in life that God demands, we can be an influence for others in that same way. Near the bottom of that slide, you'll notice in 1 Peter 2.12, that very matter is mentioned, that on the day of judgment you and I, in that day of visitation, may well have encouraged someone else in a direct fashion to change in such a way that salvation will be theirs. That's an amazing thought, isn't it? In fact, that's an incredible thought. Finally, you'll notice that the outcome of Jehoshaphat's act was this. The line of David was preserved. In fact, it's mentioned in Luke 2 verse 4. And it was out of that line that Jesus the Messiah was born into this world. What a great act of courage she did. What an act of bravery as she made some decisions that led to the preservation of the Davidic line. Today, you and I have that opportunity as well to make some changes, if those changes are in order. As this lesson draws near its conclusion this morning, we've thus learned the following things. By casting the spotlight on Jehoshaphat and this interesting scene in 2 Kings chapters 10 and 11, we have been reminded of the following. We have been spurred in a proper direction by some of the actions taken by Jehoshaphat. First of all, she trusted in the Word of God always. May you and I do the same. Then, upon her knowledge of that, she took action to bring about that which she knew God's Word to teach. May you and I also do the same. Being willing to make changes in our lives, if that be in order, so that those bad habits can be removed and good things can be put in place. But rest assured, it shall take effort. It doesn't happen automatically. Do we remember in the New Testament that Jesus on one occasion cast an evil spirit out of one? Sometime later, though, He came back and brought seven other with Him because there had been no good put in place of the bad that had been cast out. The person had not made any investment, any effort, any determination to replace the bad with the good. May you and I be wiser than that. May we strive not only to eliminate what is evil and what is negative, but to put in place that which is wholesome, right, and positive, and of course is approved in the Word of God. And then finally, we noted the positive impact that can occur with respect to our influence on someone else. Jehoshaphat affected very many by her courageous decision. You may well affect many others positively too by your courageous decision. The gospel plan of salvation is that which has been set forth in the New Testament. And it is the same for every individual. No person is special in that regard. Every individual to become a member of the church must do exactly the same thing. You must hear the Word of God as taught to us in Romans 10, 14. You must believe with all your heart that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, affirmed in John 8, 24. You must repent of the sins in your life, spoken of in Acts 2, verse 38. You must confess in an audible way the nature that Jesus is in fact the Son of God, told to us again in Romans 10, verses 9 and 10. And you must be baptized for the remission of sins, absolutely commanded Mark 16, 16. 
Once you do that, Jesus will add you to His kingdom. He will add you to His church, and you can proceed to walk faithfully with Him, growing stronger day by day in faith, being a positive example for others, and leading your life along the pathway to eternal glory. If you have begun that walk, but you have slipped aside and failed, you've begun to do other things like the thorny ground, other things have choked out your love for the Word. Or maybe like the stony ground, you've just withered under the pressures of persecution. Come back to your first love. Simon did so in Acts 8, beginning in verse 20. And the church at Ephesus was commanded, return to your first love. If we could pray with you today for strength and encouragement, if we could pray for rededication upon your part, we would be happy to do that. As again, it is taught in 1 John 1, verses 8 and following, and James 5, verse 16. If today any of those things are the need of your life, take action, just like Jehoshaphat, and do something. And if we could be of assistance as you walk down the aisle or allow us to help you, we would only ask you let us know in what way we can do that. While together we stand and while we sing.